This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off. It is hour three of the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by Madam Jim. Great to have you along with us on a Thursday. I'm Michael Jenkins live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville. Coming up in the final hour, the NBA trade deadline later today. So we will bring in Sam Quinn, NBA writer for CBS Sports, to talk about it. At 820, back to the big game, as they call it at the Sportsbook. Super Bowl 58. And if Kyle Shanahan can move past the failures he has experienced in previous Super Bowls, then finally, Donkster time at 8.40 as we reveal our best bets on this Thursday. Chelsea, we're going to get to Sam in just moments, but did you see the story that now NBA officials will now be wearing sponsorship patches? They will be sponsored by Emirates. Fantastic. Six years ago, the actual players and the team started wearing little advertisements on their jerseys. And now the referees will start doing it. And as part of this deal, which of course Emirates based in Dubai, the NBA cup will now be rebranded as the Emirates NBA cup. I was trying to think of a better sponsor for an official off the top of my head than just Emirates. That's boring. I want to see like Bucky's or something like that. I'd be like, yeah, it's a joke. But there we go. Advertising continues to lens crafters. <laughs> that's what I was. That's the one. <laughs> well, all of the conspiracy theorists would be like, well, it should be the sports books because they're the ones, you know, rigging oh, the yeah. games. I have never heard so many people say that about like referees, especially in basketball. But I do think of all the sports referees in basketball probably have the most pull, right? You know, they can call a free throw yeah. and the other team literally gets you know, a good look at possibly free points? I think that's probably true, yeah. Although, on any given play in football, you can just call it back. You can throw that arbitrary flag because there's, like, holding on every play, and you just throw it out there. Ah, Holding number 66 on the offense, you know, because he, what, he touched a guy's arm as he was going for the quarterback. But, yeah, you're right. All it takes, the officials always have huge, a huge amount of power particularly when you're talking about in basketball with so few players on the court. So that'll just be something to get used to as the game continues to evolve. And we got to bring in Sam Quinn now because I want to see how the second half of the season is going to go in the NBA because we're getting closer to that. And if moves will be made today, Sam is an NBA writer for CBS Sports, joining CBS in 2019 after stints at Bleacher Report and 24-7 Sports. Sam, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. And, And let me ask you, I think relative to previous seasons, this trade deadline has been pretty quiet so far. Why is that? Or do you expect maybe a flurry of moves later on today? 
Yeah, guys, I got a full night's sleep last night. That's not normal at trade deadline <laughs> yeah. season. Last year, I think I slept 45 minutes the whole week. Um, so I think it comes down to a few factors. Obviously, the play-in has led a lot of sellers to believe, oh, we can hold our players and maybe make the playoffs. The Lakers and the Heat went on their runs last year. Maybe that could be us this year. You know, that's obviously going to be a factor that persists for years to come. But if you're looking for something that's more specific to this season, Bobby Marks had a great stat that he tweeted out. I think it was a week or so ago. 75% of all tradable first-round picks right now belong to 11 teams. And if you really extrapolate that further, there are around five or six teams that are really hoarding all the picks. It's the Thunder, the Jazz, the Spurs, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Pelicans. Well, when 20% of the league has all of the picks to trade, that makes it really hard for the rest of the league to actually, you know, get anybody. There are teams that are trying right now. The Bucks are doing everything in their power to get some perimeter defense. They just don't have anything to give up. The Suns are in a similar boat. They have a couple of second-round picks they picked up over the summer, but all their first-round picks are gone, and they've offered swap rights on the ones that are left. So the truth of the matter is right now, a lot of the inactivity we're seeing is just sort of based on the fact that most of the teams that want to add players don't have anything to give up. This offseason, things are going to pick up a little bit. The Lakers go from having one pick to having three picks to trade. The Mavericks go from having one pick to having three picks to trade. A lot of these teams that can't make moves now are going to be able to make moves over the summer. And I think the sellers know that and are saying, why are we going to give up DeJounte Murray now when we can get a lot more for him six months from now? Okay, so I'm looking from a betting standpoint and trying to see if there is a team that's like one player away from making a nice little run here. One team that can make one trade and it changes not everything, but it's a significant upgrade. Is there a team that kind of fits the bill for that? There were two teams that I was kind of eyeing on that front. Minnesota getting a backup point guard was pretty significant. What had happened to Minnesota, they, they lost seven games over the last month. And in those seven games, they'd, lost, they'd blown leads of a combined 100 points. So what was happening mm-hmm. for the most part is the Timberwolves would build these leads and then their bench would come in. And all of a sudden they'd evaporate because they have no bench ball handlers. Anthony Edwards would go to the bench and the, the offense would die. The other team that I'm kind of looking at on that front is Oklahoma City because they have no size whatsoever on the bench. They have Chet Holmgren starting, and then, frankly, even when he's in the game, they're just not a very good rebounding team. They're good at everything else. They can shoot. They can defend. They generate a bunch of turnovers. The one thing they can't do is get rebounds. If they trade for a big today, ideally a big that can shoot so that they can't they playing style, kind of the last thing that they need. But right now, I think Boston Clippers stand. If you're going to with those teams, who I think you've got to add something. We're talking with Sam Quinn. He is the O NBA writer for CBS Sports. Sam, Mm -hmm. I had to step away for like a hot second. So I wanted to ask you, if you look at Steve Kerr and the Warriors and Steve Kerr has said, oh, I think we have a, a way forward here. I think there's, we're going to get better. Is that, I know that he's benched Clay and he's trying some different things. But is that is there any truth to that, or are we still giving the Warriors too much credit for what they've done previously? I wouldn't get too caught up in the record for the Warriors because they've been so much better with Draymond. And when they, you know, I think now they're playing Draymond as the starting center 
and they're finally playing Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins together. I think that's unlocked a lot of things for them. They're better than their record suggests. And if Utah's take if Utah takes a step back, I would think the Warriors have a pretty good chance of at least sneaking into the top ten. I just don't think they defend well enough to reasonably mm-hmm. consider them a championship contender. And obviously you're right. Clay Thompson hasn't been closing games lately. He hasn't been playing particularly well. He's on the decline. They haven't had Chris Paul that's had a really big impact on their bench offense. I don't view them as championship contenders in their current state. I don't think there's a way for them to get back into the championship picture this year. Get to the offseason, regroup, maybe try to make a bigger move then when you don't have quite as much money on your cap sheet. But right now they just kind of, frankly, aside from Kaminga and Brandon Potemski, they just look old, and this is kind of the natural life cycle of a contender, right? You're not meant to win forever. The Spurs were an anomaly. Right now, the Warriors are just kind of at the end of their cycle. And the postseason is such a grind, too. You know, it doesn't get easier. When it gets to the postseason, it's like its own little mini season. So I want to ask you about the Clippers. They have been the hottest team in the NBA as of, like, the last month or so. But in the sports betting world, I don't want to buy a stock when it's at its peak. Do you think this is sustainable for the Clippers? I do. I love to see them get one more perimeter defender, somebody to defend smaller guards, because Kawhi and Paul George can do it, but they have such a big load on offense that I wouldn't want them to do it for 40 minutes. Man, I'd love it if they could get Alex Caruso. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the Bulls are going to act as sellers. But if they could, that would mean a lot. You know, somebody like DeLon Wright would be helpful. Chris Dunn. Otherwise, that team is looking so good. They're finally getting healthy. If you're looking at it from a betting perspective, what I'd probably recommend is, look, at some point in the next month or two, somebody's probably going to tweak an ankle. There's going to be an injury scare. Just with that team, that's kind of how it tends to go. So I might wait for that before buying. But honestly, Denver is the only team in the West I think I'd pick over them in a series. And with each passing day, I'm getting less and less confident in that. We're talking with Sam Quinn. He is NBA writer for CBS Sports and previously with Bleacher Report and 24-7 Sports. Sam, wanted to move to the Eastern Conference, and I have fallen in love with the New York Knicks after their trade. And I know they're really banged up right now, right? They've got some injury concerns with Randall out there, 22-1 to to win the title. But am I getting too caught up in their recent play, or do the Knicks have a real path forward in that conference? What I'd say is that any team, not any team, but any contender in the Eastern Conference at -hmm. least has a puncher's chance because the Celtics play such a high-variant style of basketball. Boston is the best team in the East. They've been the best team in the NBA all season. But when you're taking 53s every night, you could very easily just get to the wrong series, get to the wrong matchup, and, oh, no, we've gone cold for a week, and now we're out. They're so dependent on jump shooting that I think they're pretty ripe for an upset at some point in the playoffs. I'd pick them to win the East, but I wouldn't bet on them to win the East. As for the Knicks specifically, they've given the Celtics a lot of problems in the past. Emmanuel quickly was a big part of that. Now he's gone. Speed has kind of been an issue for Boston. The Knicks play pretty fast. Having OG Ananobi to throw on Jason Tatum is pretty meaningful. And the big thing I would say in that matchup specifically is The Knicks are so good at bullying more finesse teams. You know, when Mitchell Robinson gets back, that's going to look even, you know, more significant. Julius Randle's been on that same boat. They rebound so well. They're so physical. Jalen Brunson can go shot for shot with anybody. Look, I wouldn't pick them to win the East, but if you were trying to sprinkle in, you know, uh, high variance upside bet, 
I might consider that. Okay, I have to go back to something you said at the end of the previous answer. You said something about the Nuggets and losing faith in was it the Nuggets or the fact that somebody could beat them? Because I need to know more about that. What's your take on the Nuggets? I came into the season pretty firm in thinking that the Nuggets were going to win the West. I think I'd still pick them. I don't know that my percentage of confidence is where it was at the beginning of the year. That's not necessarily because of anything they've done. I I think it's pretty clear if you just watch what what they've done this year. They're fattening up on the bad teams. They have some crazy record against the worst teams, the teams below 500. And they've only been okay against the good teams. With the championship content, with a former champion, a team that's coasting, Mm -hmm. you usually kind of see the opposite, right? Like when when you see an older team that's already won a ring, what you frequently see in regular seasons is... They're going to kind of coast, but when they when they play the biggest teams, the teams they expect to face in the playoffs, they'll get up for those games. Meanwhile, the Clippers have been so good that I'm just sort of sitting around here wondering, am I basing this solely off of last season? Because what I've seen so far this season is the Clippers is the best team in the West. Now, the Nuggets have such a history against the Clippers. Earlier this year, the Nuggets beat the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan and Reggie Jackson going nuts against them, right? Like, the Nuggets are clearly in the Clippers' head to some extent. But if you just ask me overall who's the best team in the West based exclusively on what I've seen this year, I'd probably say the Clippers. Sam, we've got, I don't know, about two and a half minutes left here. So I wanted to ask you, is there a team that you expect to maybe, that is maybe most likely to make a move before the deadline or that needs to make a move before the deadline? I think the team that sort of has been floating around is they're going to do something is Philly. The question okay. about Philly is that they have this path to $55 million in cap space this offseason. There aren't many great free agents out there. LeBron James is somebody that I have thought in the past they might try to target. Paul George, maybe, but he's probably staying with the Clippers. Is Daryl Morey going to do anything to jeopardize that cap space? My instinct is No. But I still think they're going to try to add something for this playoff run because there is the chance that Joel Embiid comes back. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the odds are. But I would look at them and try to think, are they going to add Buddy Heald? Are they going to add another shooter on an expiring contract? They've been linked to Malcolm Brogdon. I think the longer-term contract scares them off. But I would expect the Sixers to try to add shooting, add one more big Andre Drummond to somebody they've had in the building in the past who played very well for them before he was in the James Harden trade. So I would say Philly is the team that I look at and say they're the likeliest quote-unquote contender, depending – I don't know if you can call them that with the Embiid situation, Mm -hmm. but they're the winning team right now that I would say is likeliest to make a move of some kind. He does fantastic work as the NBA writer for CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter as well at Sam Quinn, CBS. It is Sam Quinn. Sam, great knowledge this morning. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to come on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you got a good night's sleep last night. That's great for you. <laughs> well, man, he had to be thinking my phone's going to blow up. It's going to go crazy. And he's like, nah, it's just fine. But also that could change in a heartbeat, right? Like he's mm-hmm. hanging out this afternoon, going to be slow. And then all of a sudden, he's probably got like five phones. Now that goes Chelsea. All right, we'll see if the Sixers make a move or not. That was fascinating as well. All right, we have a whole lot more to get to here on the show. It's just the beginning of Hour 3 coming up next. Kyle Shanahan, we know the narrative surrounding him. 
can he finally win the big game? He's been so close so many times. We'll talk about that narrative. And if Travis Kelsey gets another ring, does he actually retire? We'll talk about that as we continue our coverage of Super Bowl 58. That is Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. We roll on after this. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Yeah, turn it up, Double G. All right. The Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. You know we're going to continue talking about Super Bowl 58 shortly. I'm out of breath. I try to bring the lovely Catherine coffee right before she goes to work because our schedules are so opposite. We never see each other. So I decided, I think I've got a minute. Let me pour this cup of coffee and sprint upstairs and hand it off to her and like give her a high five and run back downstairs. And I, I was running so fast in these slippery shoes. She was like, God, be careful. I almost slipped and fell in my own home. I've had to start doing that in a shower, Chelsea. And you're like, oh God, don't tell a shower story. But now as I've gotten older, I'm paranoid about slipping and falling, be it like in the shower, on the steps. I swear to God, I'm 50. You never know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a false step away from breaking a hip. And that's why I want a robe from BetMGM because that way, if I have some soft terry cloth on my body, if I fall, I can break my fall with that robe. Might save my life. Oh my God. I thought this was going to be an ad read for Life Alert. That's who you should be getting a, a robe from. Life alert. Help. I've fallen and I can't uh, get Luckily, I have this life alert medallion around my neck. All I have to do is press it. I'm Michael Jenkins for life alert. Ooh, you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Whenever I see Ice-T or Vivica A. Fox talking about Car Shield, I thought, you know what? It happens to the best of us. Who would have guessed that? You know, they're sitting there going back and forth about, oh, well. It's a shame. If he had just had car shield, he would have saved $3,500. I would have never imagined that. And I would, I, I'm going to be a guy who, I'm going to have my own paid advertisement on this show. It's going to be, hi, I'm Michael Jenkins from the Daily Tip for Geritol. You know, it's not easy getting older, and I'll just go right on into it. Do you remember Geritol, how old that is? That's old school right there. What is Geritol? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. That's a very, very old, like, aspirin i think i just remember that growing up i was like wow if you're really old and you're in pain you take geritol or like bear just like plain aspirin instead of tylenol or advil or aleve or whatever nah give me geritol do we even make that anymore i don't even know i just did a google search i think it is available on amazon it sounds yes. like it's just a a supplement because i thought it was a prescription drug but it's a supplement and no, then I was like, oh, maybe it's something to make you regular. Because isn't that one of the buzzwords when it comes to like the over 55 crowd? It's like, do you want to be regular? 
Here's Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> for probiotics that are in the Activia yogurt. So I know that's a big hot button issue for the elder uh, crowd is regular. Uh, that's right. I'm leaning into it. It's going to, listen, I can't go back, guys. I can't, you know, time's undefeated, so I'm just going to have to roll with it. Who are we rolling with this weekend, Chelsea? One of these days, these NFL players, they'll reach for the pain reliever, and they'll say, oh, I took this hit in Super Bowl 58, and I've been feeding that pain ever since, but it was worth it. You know why? Because I got this ring. Niners, Chiefs, Niners lane two, Niners minus 130 on the money line. The Chiefs are plus 110. Your total is 47 and a hook. So one thing that we've touched on, but we haven't maybe gone into too much, is Kyle Shanahan. And we know the history with Kyle Shanahan, right? Offensive coordinator during 28-3. to And then he had that lead over this Chiefs team in the Super Bowl. But you did mention this. And it was was about, okay, Kyle Shanahan can't hold a lead, right? And then going into this season, it was, oh, well, his teams can't come from behind. There was that ridiculous statistic where going into the fourth quarter and trailing by five or more points, they were like, 0-31 or something like that. And yet, we've seen two straight comebacks. So are you of the opinion that this idea that Kyle Shanahan can't do this or can't do that, he can't overcome this, is that overblown or is there something to that? Maybe there's something to it, but also this is a one-game sample size and narratives are made to be broken. If you stick around long enough, eventually some of these come to fruition. Look at Andy Reid. Like, wasn't that the knock on him for the longest time is that he couldn't win the big game? And now he's sitting here with, I believe, two Super Bowl rings. So Kyle Shanahan is not an old guy. He still has plenty of time to shake these narratives. I feel like if he loses the Super Bowl, it's not going to be because of this. It's because he is playing a very good opponent and he is playing a generational talent when it comes to Patrick Holmes. So maybe the narrative will continue on but I feel like it won't be the correct narrative. Yeah, I I agree. And you know what I always think of? And I think this was one of the best points that I've ever heard ever made when it comes to coaches and changing what you think about them. And it was a story that Roy Williams told. Because for a long time, it was Roy Williams can't win the big one. Remember, he was in Kansas forever. Mm-hmm. Could, he got so close, couldn't do it, goes to Carolina, he starts winning. And, of course, he was a Dean Smith disciple. And Dean Smith, remember, Dean Smith only has, what, two national championships, one of the greatest ever, but there was a while when Dean couldn't win it. And Roy said one thing that Dean told me was after he won his first title, like, he didn't suddenly become a different coach in that game. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe right. he's learned over the years, mm-hmm. but it's not like the narrative going in was you can't win the big one or you can't win a championship in any sport. And then all of a sudden, you play one game, you finally win it, and oh, you're a different coach. I'm a completely different coach now. And this one game, I, I changed everything. That's not really how it works, even though we sort of look at it that way sometimes. That feels like a stupid narrative to me as well, because don't you have to be a great coach to get to the big one? Yes. Like, think of how many coaches don't even get to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it is so incredibly tough on a yearly basis where even getting there is just an accomplishment all to itself. And I know you're thinking, oh, the participation trophy generation raising its head here. No, but that's the thing with Kyle Shanahan. Like, he is a good coach. He has gotten to the big game because he is a good coach. 
And I think he will always be labeled with that sticker just because of the Falcons, you know, 28-3 blown lead. That's a really bad one. And that's going to be, you know, stuck in his persona for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But if he wins this one, it does feel like the slate is going to be wiped clean. That's how narratives Mm -hmm. work. It's crazy how, you know, if you do win one, uh, this will be taken away. What do you think a Super Bowl win does for each side? Do you think it means more, it would mean more to the Niners or more to the Chiefs? Oh, I think it would, I think it would mean more to the Niners. And the reason why I say that is because, well, first of all, the Chiefs have had more success recently. And also I think the Chiefs, based on Patrick Mahomes being there, they're going to have a longer shelf life, I believe, at this point, just because Patrick Mahomes is so generational. But I feel like for mm-hmm. the Niners that that we have forgotten, especially if you're if you're younger, but if you're older like me, the Niners have one of the and so do the Chiefs too. But it's been a while since we've talked about the Niners in the same vein as the Steelers or maybe the Patriots or the Cowboys. Some of these teams that have multiple Super Bowls that have a legacy of success again and again and again. It's just been a while since they've hoisted the trophy. So I think for the Niners organization, this might mean a little bit more because of their history. Just like when the Chiefs finally broke through, it meant more to them at that time because they have a great history as well when they were in the AFL. So based on the recent success of Kansas City, I would say San Francisco, but it's tough. That's a very good question. What do you think? I think you could definitely argue both sides. I think in the the smaller viewpoint, it's definitely the Niners just because they haven't won one in a while. And if the Chiefs lose this game, nobody's going to sit here and say, well, you know, Patrick Holmes, not a generational talent anymore. But you could argue the case for the Chiefs, though, because doesn't it catapult them into probably a different stratosphere? Like, they're already in rarefied air with Patrick Holmes and what they've done over the last 10 years or so. But if they win yet another Super Bowl, And here's the thing. It's not guaranteed that they get back to this point. Like, it is so tough. And think about all of the close games that the Chiefs have played, you know, along the way. And, you know, how tough the regular season was for them. It is not guaranteed that Patrick Holmes will ever play in a Super Bowl again. Isn't that crazy to think? It sounds crazy to say out loud, but it's absolutely true. No, I I agree. I I can't even imagine that, though. Do you know what I mean? When you think about... His career, like I, I can't, I can't fathom that. Even if, even if they don't win this game, even if I pick against them, I can't fathom someone that generational not going back. And 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 to me, when you talk about that's why that's why I say that when it, when you're talking about shelf life, that if you're asking me, okay, over the next let's just say five years, which team has the best chance to get back to this game? I would go with the Chiefs every time because of Patrick Holmes, because we see how he elevates everyone around him which is exactly what tom brady did and and who knows maybe brock purdy becomes i don't think he's going to be on the level of patrick mahomes but maybe he continues to improve and all of a sudden we're like dude this guy's going to play for the next decade decade and a half and that changes but as of right now i think you have to lean with with a generational quarterback if you're talking about shelf life yeah and patrick mahomes is still under the age of 30 and the right. fact that we have seen good player uh, quarterbacks play till they're 40 these days and the the roughing the passer calls that are always called on the big names, like he's going to get a clean pocket a lot of the times. Uh, so I do think he will probably play at another Super Bowl, but we've seen mm-hmm. plenty of great quarterbacks 
be iced out. They make it to the postseason, and then it's just, sure. you know, look at Josh Allen. How many people at the, you know, the height of his coming up would say, Josh Allen's not going to play in the Super Bowl, you know, in the next five years. They're not even going to make it yeah. there. I feel like that would be crazy to think too, because he was so good. And the Bills have been so good in the regular seasons that that's wild to think too. But it's just, there are no guarantees that you get back. I'm wondering, yeah. and this is kind of off topic, but whatever. Do you think Joe Burrow will ever play in a Super Bowl again? Like he has been so <sighs> riddled with injuries. And if he never gets back to a Super Bowl, I think yeah. it's going to be one of those stories that's kind of sad that it's going to be something yeah. to do with his injuries and something to do with like he is not living up to what I think he could have been. And it makes me sad because he was one of those that shot out a can out of a cannon, yeah. you know, to start his career. I think there's still he still has he still has a long road ahead of him, a long path ahead of him, a long leash where he's he's so young in his career. It's just if he can stay healthy, because we've seen when he's 100 percent healthy, he's as good as it gets. He's clearly a franchise quarterback. So I hate with some of these young guys and they battle injuries early and you never know if it's going to plague them or you never know if they're going to get past it. Like Tua Tungavailoa is a good example. Okay, remember last year we were asking the question, if he takes another big hit, can he avoid these concussions? This season he was healthy. And so that was great. And maybe he continues along that path. So I'm hoping it's similar for Joe Burrow and that he shakes off some early, these early leg injuries that he's been bothered with, knee injury, and that he is able to stay healthy. If he is, he is good enough where I can't imagine him getting a ring. But then again, I will also say this. There's going to be, because it always happens, there's going to be one of these guys whether it's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, especially with Patrick Mahomes in the fold, one of these great quarterbacks, these franchise quarterbacks, is going to walk away from an incredible Hall of Fame career without a ring. Well, because that's just the talent level of quarterbacks in the AFC right yeah. now. And it feels like they're all around the same age. And then the next generation is coming with C.J. Stroud and company. And, you know, Anthony Richardson, if he stays healthy, has a nice potential to be good as well. So it's it, you can have a great career and a great season. Doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a Super Bowl. Here's something else yeah. I want to ask you. I heard this quote. I turned on the radio and it was a player from one of the teams. I don't know which one it was because they were talking about how they had the hardest path to the Super Bowl and how they're embracing the underdog mentality. I feel like neither of these teams deserve to have an underdog mentality, right? That's the thing. I I saw that too, and I'm like, okay. I If you want to say, oh, well, we're two-point underdogs, okay, I guess. If Do you, you think it was from the Chiefs? I didn't yeah. even know if it was the Niners. It was from so the I feel Chiefs. like both these teams are like, yeah, we're the underdogs. Even though, like, they never look at the point spread. Like, right. they never say that, but... The Chiefs, you have the best quarterback in the NFL. Are right. you really that big of an underdog story? I What I think is the Chiefs are looking at it like both of them are finding their own angle, which is the Chiefs are saying, hey, we're the underdogs because they're technically the underdogs. And then the Niners are like, we're the underdogs because everybody's acting like the Chiefs have already won this game. They have Patrick Mahomes. It's over. So they're just, they're just picking their spots and deciding based – However they want to look at it, they're just sort of twisting it and saying we're the underdogs based on X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, everybody's counting us out. Nobody's counting either of you Nobody out. Nobody is. You've had great seasons. <laughs> right. Guess what? You're both in the Super Bowl, all right? Nobody's <laughs> an underdog here. Yeah, if you want to talk gambling, sure. You're both great. Coming up next year on the show. Oh, you know what time it is. We'll check in with the Dogster and then tell you our favorite plays on this Thursday. It is the Daily Tip from BQL presented by BetMGM. We're going to wrap up Hour 3 next BetQL and BetMGM are bringing the big game in Las Vegas to you all week. You better you bet, and BetMGM Tonight will be broadcasting live at Mandalay Bay. Listen anywhere you go with the Odyssey app. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Oh, Chelsea, what am I going to do? The lovely captain and I made a promise to ourselves three days ago that we're not going to drink until vacation. 13 days and counting until we go to St. Martin. And as she's walking out the door, I'm like, hey, I'll see you tonight. And we'll watch something. She goes, we got that free wine tasting. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll see you then. There's a place that opened up, but it's free. I will say that. On the corner here. And we decided we'd pop in last week. And it's, a, it's the coolest wine shop I've ever been in my life. It's just two solid walls. And what they do is they have it arranged from one to 10. So if you're, if you're starting off and you're on the one end of the wall, it's like, okay, these are the lightest wines. The 10 are the darkest. And then up and down vertically, the ones at the bottom are the cheapest. The ones at the top are the most expensive. So you're looking at this massive wall, and I mean a massive wall, and you're like, okay, I kind of like a heavier wine, but I want something cheap. It's like, all right, walk down to eight, look down. There's your selections right there. But it's free, and if it's free, it's me. So that's where we're going tonight. What's going on there in Hendersonville? What am I missing? Well, can I ask why you're always making these declarations of you're not going to be drinking? I feel like <laughs> you always break them. Break them. And why do this to yourself? If you want to have a drink, that's fine. I think instead of going like cold turkey and say, we're not going to drink at all, just say, hey, we're going to limit ourselves to two drinks when we yeah. go out. I feel like that is a more attainable goal for you since you're always That's doing true. things that are, you know, socially involved as opposed to saying, I'm not drinking at all. Because didn't Catherine try to do dry January? I don't yeah, think she made last. it, did she? No way. We were, we, we were good last night. We went out for a couple drinks and then we were about to keep going. We're like, no, let's be good. Let's go home. And we did. So I think that's probably the way to do it is like you're saying, because when you do the cold turkey stuff, that never really works. I mean, I don't want to say never, but it's much harder to do, especially when you're talking about something that isn't really a problem. You're just trying to make sure you're careful about it. So why not just meet somewhere in the middle? I think that's what we're trying to do. Right. If you set attainable goals, maybe you'll reach them. But if you're saying like, <laughs> oh, know. I'm going to lose 30 pounds and I'm going to have a six pack <laughs> in a month. Like that's yeah. when you give up when things don't seem achievable. So maybe start with like, hey, we're going to have three drinks or four based of what I've seen from you when you go out. I feel like even four would be like a a step down for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, if, if I'm not working the next day, yeah, for sure. Now, when I'm working, then it's like, like last night, I was like, okay, this has been a good time. I got to go. I got to go. I got to work tomorrow. So yeah, you're right. I just always, I think we're just like hyper vigilant, but like you were saying, we don't have kids. We like to go out. We're super social. And they were like, Hey, come back next week for our free wine tasting. Good talking to you guys. We're like, yeah, that sounds great. So how am I supposed to turn that down? Coming up next on BetQL Daily. Oh, Jason Logan from Covers.com. Great guy. He's going to talk about Usher. He's going to talk about his Super Bowl bets and everything else associated with the big game. And we got to tell you, since we're talking about the big game, guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's the big game prop bet challenge at BetMGM. All you have to do, it's free to play. You go online and you answer questions about the big game. And if you answer more of those questions than the other eligible customers, you will qualify to win $58,000 in honor of the big game. It's easy to do. Go to betmgm.com or hop on the BetMGM app, click the promotions tab, and enter the big game. Prop that challenge. All right. If you missed our conversation, great conversation about the NBA trade deadline and the NBA in general with Sam Quinn, NBA writer for CBS Sports. It's easy to check out that conversation and anything else you may have missed. Just download and subscribe to the Daily Tip wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chelsea, we will never go cold turkey on handing out our favorite bets for the people. So let's get to it. Time to place your bets. All right, Chelsea, I'm tired. I will speak to the gods for a second. Chelsea has trusted the process. She was crushing it, and now you are unduly punishing her. She's lost eight bets by like a half point. It's ridiculous. So let's get you on the right side, Chelsea. <sighs> yeah, Surgeon General's warning. Luck has not been on my side lately, so if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. But here's the best bet of the day for me. College basketball has not been kind to me, so let's go to the NBA. I'm going to go with the player prop tonight. I'm going to go with Kevin Durant over his points plus assist over 33 and a half tonight. The matchup is juicy going against the Utah Jazz, who give up the third most assists and the fourth most points to opposing shooting guards. And Kevin Durant has had some good numbers against Utah in the past, averaging uh, 34 points per game over his last three against the Jazz, along with 8.7 assists per game against Utah. This is a home game. Uh, it's not a back-to-back, -back, so it should be a nice little spot for Kevin Durant. And when you do the points plus assists, this is a number he can get by himself on the points alone. So let's go over 33 and a half points plus assists for Kevin Durant tonight. Chelsea, I got a good feeling about it. I think you're on the winning track tonight. I'm going back to the ice. Now, listen, I don't want to fade my capitals, but sometimes if you're talking about making money, you have to put emotions aside and you just got to do it. So that's what I'm going to do here. Panthers three-way money line minus 139 hosting the caps. It's really hard to ignore the trends here. The Panthers have won seven straight games against the Caps. And if you look deeper into the numbers, Caps have been overachieving a little bit. If you want to keep it basic, they just can't score. That's the problem, right? They have a ton of talent, but that talent is aging now. The Caps are 30th in the NHL in goals per game. They are 29th in the NHL in shots per game. This is a Florida squad that can run it up on you. They average 3.9 goals per contest, and they have the advantage between the fives because Washington's Darcy Kemper is slated to go tonight. His save percentage is only 
8.92. The more I look, the more this line keeps moving in the Panthers' favor, especially as far as money line is concerned. I mean, it's going to get really juicy, but I understand why. We're going Panthers' three-way money line, minus 135 in Sunrise. I feel like three-way money line has been like your go-to bet. Yes, like, I didn't even absolutely. know what that was, but you play it a lot. So I feel like I have looked into it. But that's yeah. that has to be like a good chunk of your bets, right? The majority. I just, if I feel, you know, baseball and, and hockey are the same in that mm-hmm. one run is often the difference or one goal is often the difference. So if you're talking about the puck line or the run line, sure, sometimes it's absolutely the right bet, especially if you want plus money, which you can generally get when you're betting one of those. But you know, you can get burned too. You got to pick the right spots because you think one run isn't a big deal. It is just like it is in baseball, just like one one score is in hockey. And so I like the three of money line because you just have to win in regulation. But you get burned by that too. There's a flip side. Yeah, I think scoring is actually more of a premium in hockey. Like you don't see many like 15 to 10 games right. as you might see in baseball. All right, we got to get to the eight ball. We're running out of time. Eight ball, what you got for us today? Let us gaze upon the glorious Magic 8-Ball. Shall it fade or tail these noble betters? <laughs> All right, 8-Ball, I need some good juju on my side. It has not been going great for me. All right, so how about my bet tonight? Kevin Durant over points and assists, over 33 and a half for minus 110. 8-Ball says, my reply is no. Cool. That's how it's going this week. All right, how about the Panthers on the three-way money line in the NHL for Jenks? Outlook good. Three-way money line. Let's hope it keeps cashing. Holler. Got me some dubs last night. Let's keep it going. If you want to check out the eight ball and each and every show on the BetQL network, just go to twitch.tv slash BetQL. All right, let's do it. Your BetQL five-star best bet. Guys, come on. What do you have to do? What do you have to hear? to download the BetQL app, especially because the BetQL mainframe, fire that up, Double D. God, Double D, what in the world? Oh, give me the whole Lord. show. I didn't know that thing stretched out like that. The BetQL mainframe, beep, bop, boop, is 12-1-1 one, one in its last 14. Tonight, Marist laying three and a half at Siena. And Youngstown State, minus eight and a half, hosting Milwaukee. And now, since that was like an America online sound, let's bring in a guy. And I'm trying to think of Chris Mack's screen name back in the day. Like Mac Wang 694 <laughs> something. <laughs> I added the four, by the way. Chris, what's going on this morning? How are you? It, I did have, like, and that was a core memory unlocked when I heard that dial-up noise. I was instantly back oh, in man. college and putting up my away message on a Saturday night. Like, you know, it, it, I can't even imagine what Can't nonsense. talk, buying booze, BRB, leave yeah. me a message. It, I would have tried to be much more clever and cool than that, Chelsea, but it would have been much tackier and, for lack of a better way to put it, douchier. Um, that's just, I mean, come on. I would have had a backwards red hat. I would have had a bad goatee, white T-shirt. Yeah, it was it was a thing, you know, the or late 90s, early 2000s. Let's not, let's pretend they didn't happen. 
So you were Limp Biscuit, is what you were saying. Backwards I, red hat, goatee, white shirt. Did you yeah. like Limp Biscuit? I mean, I think everybody in college owned a Limp Biscuit CD at that point in time. Um, this is not something I'm proud of. What was of. it? The I hot mean, dog flavored water? There was a no, CD that, that had hot dog flavored up. water. The first one, the first one was I think three dollar bill, y'all. I think that was it. Oh. With with uh, you know, break stuff and God, I still remember far too much of this. Can I go? Can we start this all over again? This is embarrassing. No, <laughs> I'm enjoying this walk down memory lane. If only Limp Biscuit was playing the halftime show, it would just oh, be yes. us. Just be us enjoying it. Do you like Usher for the halftime show? You think that's a good call? I think it'll be it'll be all right. I don't know. I'm curious to see if he brings anybody. He's got to have Ludacris and Little John come out at the end for yeah, right? Like that's got to be the show close. Has right? to, has to. Yeah. I mean, if not, what yeah. a massive disappointment that would be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. That's Chris Mack. I think it's time for Mac me to always, go. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> good thing we're wrapping up here. Have a great show. <laughs> that's gonna do it for us. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Hope you go out and have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.